Hey everyone, and welcome to the 72nd episode of The Liam McCollum Show and the first episode of 2022. Today's podcast is with Mr. Deming, my honor civics teacher from high school who was very instrumental in me becoming a libertarian. And we're talking about January 6th, the day that Kamala Harris compared to 9-11 and Pearl Harbor. I've done two episodes with Mr. Deming before, so I'll link to those in the description. Go check them out. Also, there will be a video component to this podcast, so hop on over to YouTube or Odyssey and remember to subscribe to me over there. I'm also on most podcatchers if you prefer the audio version. And if you like this podcast, share it around, give this video a thumbs up, and maybe leave a comment with your thoughts. Thanks, and here's my interview with Mr. Deming. All right, everyone, welcome to the first episode of 2022. I figured uh, if I was going to have an episode with anyone, it would be the person who got me interested into politics in the first place, uh, Mr. Deming. I've had him on the show before. You should definitely go back and check out um, my interview with him that I did. And then also the one we did on July 4th, which I think both of those were great podcasts. And today, yeah, I really enjoyed it. And I think we're going to touch on a lot of the same stuff today. Um, we are going to do a podcast on January 6th, being that it is the anniversary. Uh, there's a lot, I think, what did DeSantis call it today? Um, nauseous or what, what is obnoxious, I think is what he called it. Something like that. Uh, the, the speeches that they're giving on Capitol Hill right now are pretty disgusting. I think they're just over the top. I have a few of the remarks actually that have been been made. Um, Biden says we didn't see a former president who had just rallied the mob to attack and then continued to talk about. Um, actually, let me just share this video because it's it's pretty crazy. All right, can you see that? I can see it. We shall know the truth, and the truth shall. Can you the Bible hear it? Too? Tells us that. Yeah. Yeah. The Bible tells us that we shall know the truth and the truth shall make us free. We shall know the truth. Well, here is the God's truth about January 6, 2021. Close your eyes. Go back to that day. What do you see? Rioters rampaging, waving for the first time inside this capital. Confederate flag that symbolized the cause to destroy America, to rip us apart. Even during the Civil War, that never, ever happened. It happened here in 2021. What else do you see? A mob breaking windows, kicking in doors, breaching the Capitol. American flags on poles being used as weapons, as spears. Fire stingers being thrown at the heads of police officers. A crowd that professes their love for law enforcement assaulted those police officers, dragged them, sprayed them, stomped on them. Over 140 police officers were injured. We all heard the police officers who were there that day testify to what happened. One officer called it, quote, a mid medieval battle and that he was more afraid that day than he was fighting the war in Iraq. They've repeatedly asked since that day, how dare anyone, anyone, diminish, belittle, or deny the hell they were put through? 
We saw with our own eyes. Rioters menaced these halls, threatening the life of the Speaker of the House, literally erecting gallows to hang the Vice President of the United States of America. What did we not see? We didn't see a former president who had just rallied the mob to attack, sitting in the private dining room off the Oval Office in the White House, watching it all on television and doing nothing for hours. As police were assaulted, lives at risk, nation's capital under siege. Yeah, so that's the Bible that's tells one of the videos. We shall um, know the truth. I, I've been going through, I've been scrolling through. I know Kamala also made some testimony. What they're doing is they're actually having people who were in the Capitol that day um, give their experience about what happened on that day. It's kind of like repeating, you know, where were you on 9-11? <laughs> where were you on January 6th? Um, Liz Cheney is now coming out saying that uh, the country is at risk because people are tied to Donald Trump. Um, Kamala Harris is saying we cannot let our future be decided by those bent on silencing our voices, overturning our votes and peddling lies and misinformation. So uh, <laughs> why don't we talk a little bit about that misinformation? I know you've been covering it probably a lot more than I have, but um it's it's very interesting. Um, I think that the best the best kind of summary of what's going on and, and kind of like uh, the way that this has been made out to be somewhat of like a um, a religious thing, like people are worshiping government in a sense or worshiping uh, the state in a sense is actually this article. I'm going to share my screen again. Um, can you see that? I can. Yes. Oh, Capitol riot vigil planned in Bozeman on Thursday. And I know that a, a similar thing is happening in DC. I believe people are getting together to pray. And my question is, who are they praying to? <laughs> um, who are they praying to? And then who is the vigil for? Um, I guarantee you it's not for Ashley Babbitt. Um, she died uh, that day. Um, I th the vigils for democracy. And to me, that, that seems very religious. It seems that they're, they really are worshiping the altar of democracy at the altar of democracy. And it's, it's very scary stuff. Um, so yeah. What are your thoughts? Yeah, you're absolutely right. That they've, they've raised this to a religious experience, uh, the temple of democracy and things like that. That's sacrilegious in the first place. Uh, even though the Bill of Rights protects uh, freedom of religion, um, and it's a it's pretty absolute too. Uh, I don't think the authors were thinking of worshiping the state, but that's absolutely what it it's done. And the Capitol building itself is not a religious temple of any kind, even though that's what it's been been put up to be and I, I i find it not just sacrilegious i find it frankly nauseating the way they talk about the capital you know i understand you know we, we need to respect our uh our institutions uh, as long as they're serving their ultimate purpose which is protecting the rights of the people that's the only purpose of government period 
Um, and that's why I think the declaration that we talked about way back uh, July 4th, why that's so important to remember, you know, uh, it, it's not, it wasn't set up to, uh, the Bill of Rights wasn't set up to worship the capital or the government or democracy. So, yeah, I, um, it's nauseating to listen to the, the usurper in chief uh, talk about January 6th, frankly, and where to start. How many how many things in there were wrong? They were all wrong, essentially. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and go ahead. All of this is one big psyop. Just like they are, they are really they're obviously trying to appeal to emotions at this point. Because even I, you know, there's there's a part of me that sees people entering the Capitol, and it's like, whoa, what's going on? Um, there's a part of me that day where I was I was watching it, and I'm like, what's happening? And it's and it's partially just because like you never know um if, if something is going on if who's going to get hurt and then what's going to happen afterwards like whether or not they're going to crack down on it um uh I, I don't think protesting at the capitol like this it does you any favors really because they are just going to use it as an excuse to go after you as as they have done so those were kind of my concerns um and i think that the fact that they are appealing to emotions in that way, even when, when I kind of watch that, I'm like, I, I see the arguments. I could see myself making this in another timeline or something like this. It, it's just when you know the facts and you, and you know what has happened and how they've continued to cover up stuff, it gets a little sketchy. Um, so the first thing maybe we should talk about is the amount of people who have been arrested and the fact that I think it's three individuals have been taken off of the FBI's most wanted list. Um, one of them being, uh, what's his name? It's Ray. Ray Epps. Ray Epps. Yeah. Ray Epps. Um, and I do have a video for people. Again, I'm going to share the screen. So this video is, I, I recommend everyone go find this on YouTube. It's uh, a video that my friend uh, Reed Coverdale did called January 6th was a disappointment. Um, and I just found this little video in it that I wanted to share. So um, that guy was on their wanted list and now he's been taken off. Uh, so you, I think you know a little more about this than I do. So I'll let you kind of talk about that and, and what you make of it. <laughs> well, definitely an agent, right? Yeah. Agent provocateur. There's no question about it in, in my mind. 
what other explanation could you have for that him whispering that guy's ear then him stepping back and then that guy leads the charge to break down the barricade he's directing things you know he's telling everybody we got to go into the capitol and those people right there in that one clip they got him they figured out who he was he's a fed and uh, i think there were probably uh, dozens if not hundreds of uh, fbi and other federal agents uh, in the crowd. And I think they were doing a lot of incitement, you know, and so the average person that was in that uh, group of people, uh, they were Trump supporters, clearly. Uh, and I don't think they had any intention of doing anything uh, other than walking around up there and making their voice heard, which, you know, is a part of the First Amendment. Uh, you have your right, the right to make your voice heard. And what better place than outside the Capitol? So the fact that the, the idea that these people are some kind of insurrectionists uh, by exercising their First Amendment right uh, and and insisting that their vote matters and their vote counts. So that's insurrection. Well, then I'm an insurrectionist, I guess. <laughs> so anyway, this uh, this guy, I don't get, like I said, I don't think he didn't question. He's uh, he's an agent right there. Uh, and the fact that he he stepped back. Um, and there were several times I've read a couple of things about this guy. There were several times where he's uh, at the gates or doing something and he, and he uh, incites, steps back, incites and then steps back. So the vaunted FBI's investigatory powers, you know, everybody says, well, the FBI, they're professional, they're great. Um, uh, they should be able to figure this guy out as a provocateur, uh, somebody who's actually provoking things. and put him in jail with the rest of those unfortunate people that are in jail from that and, January 6th. And I think that that's the key point about this is that considering all the, the other people who have been arrested for things very similar to this, including like the people associated with Alex Jones, who, you know, there, there's a question of whether or not he was even inciting at all. But like um, the fact that there, there was a question that he was inciting and the people around him were inciting. Um, so they are thrown in, in jail should i mean you would think that this guy would be to them mm -hmm. absolutely yeah so they they said again today they're uh, still looking for the guy they said in the pipe bombs i think they should look on their payroll personally uh but uh they can't find ray Epps. kidding me everybody knows who he is i mean i uh, i've heard his name for weeks so if not longer so uh yeah i it, something's fishy and um i don't think there's any question he's on the payroll yeah. And the other thing here is, um, I think he had mentioned that there were a bunch of cops injured. Um, and I, I believe that there, there were, but, um, a lot of people talk about the the cops who died that day. Um, and don't we know retroactively, I think the, the Washington post came out saying that one of the cops who died actually died from a stroke that was not related at all. So, so the only, the only person who actually died that day was Ashley Babbitt. The only one that died by violence, uh, although there was another woman who died, uh, she was beaten uh, in a tunnel. And I believe she also died okay. uh, by Capitol Police. And then there was a couple others. Uh, uh, one guy died of a heart attack. Uh, so there were four or five um, that died on the day of January 6th. And then a couple more uh, have since committed suicide. So I think the toll, the death toll, that is six. 
And of those, none of them were killed by the quote unquote rioters. Um, and only the only death uh, that we know for sure happened was Ashley Babbitt being killed by, uh, gosh, I just had that guy's name on the tip of my tongue. Do you remember the guy's name that killed her? No, I, I don't. Um, I, I do think, though, something that you had mentioned earlier that uh, some of these people obviously were provocateurs and and a lot of the other like you, you see these photos and there's and I'll try to I'll try to embed the photo in this video, too. There's there's a photo of like she's she's an elderly woman and she's just holding an American flag and she um, she's walking in, you know, the red velvet lines that they have set up for everyone. And um most of these people were respecting those norms, but obviously there were other people who were trying to provoke. And then um, people like that elderly person, you know, hear that and they're easily influenced. And, you know, maybe they didn't plan on doing that that day. And then because someone is provoking them and, or uh, yeah, someone's provoking them, then they do it. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's a mix of very innocent people who didn't know what they were doing and, people who are trying to provoke. And we're just saying that we think that these people were agents of some sort. I mean, it, it seems to be that way, especially with how they've taken advantage of this situation afterwards. Um, yeah. There's that video of Brennan uh, where he's listing all of the people who he thinks were in the crowd and he stops, he goes like racists, nativists, and he goes even libertarians. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, they're, they're really trying to, broaden the scope here and um there's there's another thing um with all of the people getting up and talking at the capitol right now including the president i i saw a tweet by glenn greenwald earlier and he said uh you know whenever george bush whenever his approval ratings plummeted um carl rove would schedule some some event to have him talk about 9 11 and rage against the terrorists and this is exactly how i see it i mean the truth is is that Biden's approval ratings are going down. Inflation is just continuing, continuing to soar. The people that we listen to don't think it's going to stop for quite a while. Things are going to get much worse. Um, it's obvious that the the war on COVID isn't very popular among people. And I think what this is, is just another way for them to wag the dog of some sort. I think that they've, they've got to find something. Um, and I think that what they're doing today is just trying to increase their approval ratings. Yeah, or increase their power. You know, yeah. Now, pretty clearly COVID now has turned into, I, I don't wanna, <laughs> this is not about COVID, but it's turned into a, a way if it was, it was probably all uh, designed to do this all along. And that is to keep the American people afraid and compliant. And so fear uh, leads to compliance. So you have to ratchet up the fear and, uh, they have used, and by they, I mean uh, the administration, Democrats in particular, uh, and with some collusion by the Republicans, uh, as a way to continue making everyone afraid of the right people. Now, you that's interesting you pointed out libertarians. Um, a, lot of, a lot of libertarians don't really care who's, who's in office. They're all bad, right? But their inclusion means that they're on the list, and the list of uh, undesirables, I guess. Uh, and so it, even it's kind of nice to be recognized for once, but maybe not for that reason. Uh, anyway, so, uh, yeah, they're wrapping up the fear. Uh, COVID did that. Uh, I think that's 
people are starting to see through that. And so they have to use January 6th and some other things. Now, I'm going to tell you this right now. There's going to be another false flag. I don't know what it's going to be, but there's going to be another one. As soon as people start saying, well, I'm not so sure January 6th was such a big deal now. You know, a couple of months from now, as it wears off, there's going to be something else. Uh, uh, it's anybody's guess what it's going to be, but it's going to be catastrophic so that they can continue to keep the people in fear and compliant. Yeah, in a way, you you would say that COVID isn't really related to this, but I think that it, it kind of is in that um, people look at January 6th as this isolated thing where it's just like, you know, I, I, the media is so short-sighted or uh, they have short-term memory loss. And if, if you're using their lens, then you do too, in a way. And when, when we think about January 6th, even I get in this trap of like, oh, it's this isolated incident. But really we had the whole 2020 before that we had, you know, we had the pandemic, we had the lockdowns, people were feeling um, as if the economic situation in this country was just terrible. Um, we had the riots, we had George Floyd's death. Um, and, and the one thing, uh, Reed made this point in the January 6th video that I had shared is um, the one thing here that is interesting is, and just kind of an aside, is that these people actually targeted who they considered to be the problem, right? Whereas uh, the the protesters in the year prior, they were destroying businesses. Um, I think they there was only once that they actually destroyed a police department. So in a sense, you kind of like, you're like, okay, well, this seems to be a little more justified, but still you have to recognize the anger that these people had. I mean, like you're locked down for months and all of a sudden prices are starting to increase. There's shortages. Like people are feeling this. There's unemployment is, you know, is increasing. And when, when we're so divided in this country, when, um, you know, there's, there's people with drastically different moral ethics in, in this country trying to fight for one political office. And then there is some shenanigans that goes on. Um, and, you know, all sides recognize that a degree of it happened, whether or not they think that it, it was enough to sway the results, all sides will recognize that it happened to some extent. Um, so when when this happens and then they don't even entertain the idea, they just laugh at you, they mock at you if you question it at all, then I think that this is just the perfect, you know, like storm. So it's it's like if we don't look at it in context, then we just don't understand the situation at all, I think. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. Um, uh, so we could have talked about some of those other things earlier, uh, but I was focused on January 6th. That's what our, our subject was. Uh, but you're absolutely right to bring in those other things because uh, now, it, so um, if you accept the fact that they were FBI agents, and I, I don't think there's any question or anybody else in the crowd there, um, it was planned, obviously, it was deliberate. And so you're right. I think it is a part of a wider movement, right? Uh, now, making people afraid, just, just imagine this. So you're going to let go the riots um, and the burnings and the occupies in all the cities in America uh, prior to the January 6th deal. And just imagine what the average person felt like uh, if they were caught up in that, driving down there or their business being destroyed or their homes uh, threatened, whatever. And then let's say 
let's fast forward to January 6th and we see the politicians who may uh, genuinely have been afraid uh, on that day, afraid for the lives or safety. Well, I don't have a lot of sympathy for them. You know, some of those are the same people who uh, encouraged the riots in the cities. Encouraged. At, at the very least, they didn't speak out against, right? And that they let the average person feel the fear that then they felt on January 6th. I have zero sympathy for those people. You know, I, it's not very great to be afraid. But they don't care what those common people felt um, that they then felt on January 6th. It's, it's yeah. complete hypocrisy. Yeah, it's it's anarcho-tyranny. Uh, people have been passing that word around. It's, it's where, you know, the, these people... When it, when it's in an opportunistic way, they they will favor the state, but then they won't use the state to protect rights. So they allow people to destroy businesses and they they stand by. But then when something like this happens, where people are you know exercising their right to protest the government, they crack down on them and then they increase their powers. Uh, another thing that was pointed out by the Libertarian Party of Kentucky, they uh, they get in a lot of crap because their their messaging is is pretty i I think it's pretty great but uh one one of their tweets was one year ago congress huddled in fear from their constituents in the same way their decisions make children in the middle east feel when a hellfire missile soars overhead or poor kids huddle under their bed during a drug raid and someone also pointed out that shortly after this incident they bombed syria um, the United States bomb Syria. And my question is, um, CNN, they, they came out with this article saying 34% of Americans say violence against government is sometimes justified. And, and my question this whole time has always been, even our government recognizes that violence against governments or revolutions of some sort, whether or not they're peaceful or violent are justified. If you look at our foreign policy, a hundred percent of our politicians believe that violence is sometimes justified to overthrow governments. They do it all the time. So why is it considered extreme when only 34% of the population believes that their own government can be overturned? If a hundred percent of our own politicians believe that Syria's government can be overturned through force, I it's, there seems to be some hypocrisy there where it's like, it, it why wouldn't, you believe that revolution within your own country is possible if you can't, if, if you're forcing governments out in other countries. Yeah, it's it's hypocrisy for sure. Uh, I wonder what percentage of the American people were uh, thought that violence against their government in 1770s was acceptable. I wonder, you know, was it 34 percent? Was it more? Was it less? So I, I'm I'm not so sure that's a terrible thing. To be honest with you, I mean we don't advocate violence, but you know uh, what are you going to do when um, the government ceases to protect your rights and actively works against your rights? Are you going to accept that? Are you going to vote different people in? Well, they didn't use the the ballot in 1776, so I'm actually kind of encouraged that. Uh, maybe politicians get the message that people are kind of fed up. I doubt it. And then, you know, they say, they say, uh, we're the traitors that we think, you know, something, 
not a violent insurrection of any kind. Uh, we don't want to advocate that, but um, they're the ones taking our rights away and we're the traitors. I don't understand that reasoning at all. Anyway. Yeah, there's, a, there, there's an interesting Bill Clinton quote that Scott Horton actually told me. Um, uh, I'll butcher it, but it's something like terrorism is non-state violence used for political goals, non-state violence used for political goals. So he explicitly excludes state violence. He's excluding himself from it because, I mean, they would all be considered terrorists if if the definition included them. And I mean, the, the, I think everyone needs to ask just like, even I think, I think leftists and maybe liberals, maybe mainstream Democrats can understand this. If, you know, we have the Patriot Act, we have um, militarization of the police and uh, centralization of the police because the national government funds a lot of these political uh, local police departments. Um, you have the drug war, you have all of this stuff that is nationalized. You have all of it centralized. Um, at what point does that are, at what point is the threshold met for you to think that the government needs to be overturned, whether or not it's through peaceful or violent means. And I think that people really need to ask themselves that I, I don't advocate for violence. And I, I honestly think that peaceful means are the best way to go about it. This is why for the last, I mean, actually since January 6th happened, I was tweeting this out. I was saying we need to either radically decentralize in this country, or we need to split up if we want to avoid violence. Really that, that is the situation right now, because we have, like I said earlier, drastically different like moral beliefs in this country fighting for one political office that has too much power. They have entered your home. They have entered healthcare. They have entered everything. And I think every, every side should be able to see that. Um, what is it? Donald Trump said that the election was illegitimate last time. Hillary Clinton said the election was illegitimate last time. How long are we going to keep going through the cycle? I don't, I don't understand it. <laughs> I don't either. Uh, that's why election integrity is so important. I think that's the only thing that's actually going to going to uh, stop whatever violence people have been thinking about. Uh, at the very least, it's going to make people uh, sit back because you and I can accept a, an election that was conducted without uh, fraud. We can accept it. You know, if, if uh, the current usurper in chief had actually won that election, which I don't believe in a second. Uh, okay. Well, you know, he, he's more popular. Fine. Let's move on. But the fact that there is a uh, lingering doubt, uh, you know, and I think in the right people's mind, I don't think anybody that's paying attention really thinks that that was, that election was done fairly. You know, we have to make sure that those elections are, uh, as, as clean as possible, because the alternative is, as you said, uh, these, this wave after wave after wave of uh, illegitimate uh, leaders. Now, you can't, you can't manage if 50% of the people think that the uh, current president wasn't, uh, wasn't elected fairly. You can't manage that. So uh, a violent insurrection is the worst thing that we can, we can have. Uh, I think Secession's probably on the table, as you said. Uh, I think there's all kinds of other things we can do. 
uh, but but way better to split or decentralize, as you said, than to have a violent revolution. But there's some people out there that are pretty angry. Yeah, I don't blame them. Yeah, Marjorie Taylor Greene came out saying that we uh, should maybe entertain splitting up, and some representative, some Democratic representative, re- representative came out and said uh, it was treason. It was treason to say that. And it's like, so on one hand, you think January 6th was the worst event. Kamala Harris is now comparing it to 9-11. She compared it to 9-11 today. Um, so it's compared to 9-11. Um, there wasn't even remotely amount of the violence that happened in Kazakhstan yesterday, for instance, or the amount of people, for instance. Um, mm-hmm. So on one hand, that's the worst event, but peacefully divorcing is treason because if you don't allow the latter, I think you're going to have more of the former. And that's, that's kind of what I've been saying is like, we need to continue going down this path where Florida looks nothing like New York and allow that to happen. Or Montana looks nothing like New York. Um, Friday there, the Supreme court's going to hear the the case about vaccination mandates. Um, And I've been saying um, that regardless of what the Supreme Court says, we need to nullify it. We need Governor Gianforte to nullify it. We need our legislature to, to nullify it because that's what it's come to. Um, we, we really need radical decent, decentralization in this country or else people are really going to get mad. And it's, mm-hmm. I mean, people already are, but people are going to act on it. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And I think nullification is is uh, preferable to secession in a lot of ways, although I wouldn't be against secession. I think I, I may have told you before, um, the first state to secede, um, you know, it's unless it's California, uh, the first state to secede, uh, if it's Texas, I'm going to move there. And that uh, they're, they've made a, a statement that they're going to uh, advocate for freedom for their people, uh, freedom from the federal government's uh, overreaching, and uh, I would support that 100%. I'd go there. So uh, I, I think I don't know if Gianforte is actually in favor of uh, much nullification. I think you may know more about that than I. However, uh, it, if enough voices get to him, maybe he'd consider it. That's that's what I've heard is it's as with a lot of things that happened in the Gianforte administration past session. Um, he was kind of, his hand was forced. Um, I, I don't know that he actually believed any of the things like that, that reduced specifically his powers. Um, but he, I mean, his actions with nullifying the vaccine mandate so far, or um, he, he banned vaccine discrimination in the state. Like, I think the people want that. And I think that really kind of this culture needs to be um I guess, encouraged that like we can nullify the federal government. Like OSHA only has around 2000 employees. Um, They can't enforce every state. They can't enforce every business to do this. Um, So I think it's, it's more of just like trying to convince people that one, like it's legitimate to do because the federal government doesn't have this authority, but also we can, because I think a lot of people get very scared about like losing federal funds. Um, And, and all of that stuff being dependent on the federal government. But I mean, I don't think that those are really big concerns. 
And we've talked about that in the past on previous podcasts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, as I said, I think nullification is the answer. It's probably the best answer. Um, and other states have nullified federal laws. I mean, you've been able to buy marijuana in California on just about every street corner for what, decades? Even though it's uh, uh, recreational marijuana is illegal on the uh, national level. That's nullification. There's nullification in practice. You know, and and uh, as far as I know, very few federal agents are uh, shutting those down on every street corner in California, um, Colorado, uh, Washington state. I and mean, those places, they they have already nullified. So it's it would be hard for them to make the case that Montana can't nullify. You know, I guess we can only nullify things that California says it's okay to nullify. <laughs> well, I mean, like the big thing that i want done in montana is the um defend the guard act yep. and which would essentially give the governor authority over the national guard again and would allow them to decide whether or not uh the national guard goes to a foreign country if the president orders them to um and the the big pushback that i get here is always like well they'll pull funding for military bases um or or something like that but the way that I understand, like the way they get funding is through a lot, a lot of times it's through Danes and Tester. It's through earmarks on legislation. So like a legislative action at the state level here shouldn't really influence funds unless they were really able to convince Danes and Tester to remove those earmarks. Or if someone went back and removed that piece of legislation, but I, I don't think that those are really big concerns at all. And even if they did pull funding, I just don't think that we should be reliant on the federal government to make our decisions. No, no. Those people in Washington, D.C. don't, they have no idea what's going on out here. I don't think they care, frankly. You know, uh, uh, what I read, John Tester, uh, Senator Tester is a, uh, he's on the committee, I think, to study uh, the filibuster. Have you heard that? I don't know. I didn't hear that he was on the committee, but I, I believe it. I know that um, he was one of the last votes that they were working on. Yeah. So uh, does Senator Tester really think that Montanans are in favor of getting rid of the filibuster? You know, I, I, I don't understand. <laughs> uh, I understand his reasoning. Um, obvi- well, I, I, obviously, I know why he wants to get rid of the filibuster so that they can get uh, their agenda passed, you know, because doggone that Senator Manchin and cinema, they, they're <laughs> horrible human beings because they don't want, you know, uh, but I do think that, that uh, uh, Senator Tester would be well better served to pay attention to Montana and our feelings towards that. And yet I think, uh, I think he, he may eventually cave on that. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, it's funny to, it's funny to look at the amount of times the Democrats use the filibuster against Republicans. Like, it, it's pretty hilarious. I don't have the number on the top of my head, but when I saw it, I was like, are you serious? Like they used it. And then now they're going to like end up stabbing themselves in the foot because they're going to remove it. And then when Republicans are back in office, like, I don't, I don't understand this opportunism. It's so short-sighted. Um, but I think it's because they want to grab power as quickly as possible and hold on to it. Well, I think you're right. And the cynic in me t- says that uh, if they can get rid of the filibuster now, uh, 
And I think this is some of the push that they're doing for quite a bit of the legislation that uh, Democrats are trying to pass. Uh, what they're, I, I think, counting on is that they're going to be able to control elections in the future. So once that, if they get rid of the filibuster, uh, I think they're going to pass this this ridiculous idea that the national government's going to determine um, qualifications of vote. If that happens, then that will be the last election that we've we'll have in America uh, yeah. if that ever gets passed. And uh, Democrats will win every election from now on. Well, are they, are they specifically? Are they consider, considering a specific thing, a specific piece of legislation? Do you know? I, think, I can't remember. Uh, I had a bill number in the back of my head. I can't remember it now. Um, but the idea is to uh, control how states decide who gets to vote, uh, whether there be um, picture IDs and other forms of identification to less in voter fraud. Uh, and so what they want to do is they want to they want to completely gut the state's restrictions so that anybody that wants to can vote, essentially. You know, you and I, uh, we we have to either show a picture ID or we have to uh, uh, swear an affidavit that we are residents of Montana in order to get a fishing license. Well, voting is a little more important than fishing, although you can make an argument either way. Uh, so to me, the idea that they would try to cut back on um, these kinds of requirements is a clear sign they want to control elections from now on. Because, again, if you're, if you're paying attention at all, uh, they stole the election. There's no question about it in my mind. Yeah, I, I actually haven't looked into it as much. Uh, I, I mean, because my my narrative has just been that, like, if one single individual insists that, you know, they want their government gone, then that government should be gone for them. Uh, one individual can insist upon revolution. And that's really the threshold uh, that that is necessary. So um, if a large swath of the population doesn't believe that or doesn't even want this president in power, then that's illegitimate for them. And I think yeah. even, even the principles that undergird uh, the people who like democracy can like, in a sense, like when, when they say one vote for one person, what they're saying is that each person has a vo voice, that sovereignty mm -hmm. flows from the individual in a certain sense. It's very limited in the way that they think of it. But if, if that's the case in a large proportion of the population rejects a certain moral code, then I just don't think, I don't think that it's a legitimate election in the first place. So I don't think any election really has been legitimate for the people who don't approve of the policies. Um, but in a certain sense, it's like, so we, we can talk about legitimate in two different senses. It's like we can talk about legitimate in that sense or in the sense that we understand it within the current system. And I, I still think that that should be protected. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, uh, you know, it gets back to the idea of consent, too. You know, you and I never consented this nightmare we were under. Uh, I, so 
I think you can make an argument that the people who uh, had a chance to vote on uh, approving or ratifying the Constitution may have given their consent. But what about the people who said no? And then, you know, there is so much funny business going on uh, in the uh, time after the writing of the Constitution, 1787, 1788, and then 89, when it took effect. Uh, there's so much funny business going on with getting the thing, different states to pass it. Uh, I, I don't think that it, it really ever had the consent of the, of the government. Okay, well, so everybody who was in that generation passes away. And nobody after that has get, given their consent. You know, Lysander Spooner was right about virtually everything. And that's one of the things he said. You know, it, I never consented to this government. So, uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. We should give our consent. And even though I think this is a radical view, I, I agree with it, that each individual must give their consent or else. Because uh, you're right. And, and Theoretically, right, too. Uh, sovereignty flows up from the individual, not down. Yeah, I think one of the instances was Rhode Island, right? Like uh, George Washington surrounded Rhode Island and forced them to sign the yeah, coast. Yeah, he threatened to uh, send the Navy and blockade the, the coast. And Rhode Island said, well, I guess I guess I like the Constitution because they were they were out. They didn't send anybody to the convention. Uh, they said, no, we're <laughs> Uh, we're not going to follow the Constitution. George Washington says, well, yes, you are. And yeah. so right there, George Washington, probably the best president in a lot of ways. Uh, he's federal overreach. He's going to use the power of the federal military against a state, a, a recalcitrant state. Uh, it, it was bad from the very beginning. Yeah. Well, I, I wonder where you think... Um they're going to go with this because you had mentioned that there's going to be another false flag. Um, do you think like, maybe we, we could get into a little bit about COVID now. Do you think that the war on COVID is done? Um, do you think it's not popular? Um, do you think they're going to try to move on to something else? I know people have talked about the idea of like climate change being the next big thing. And um, I, I do think that that's a huge concern that we're going to start to see, you know, if, 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 Climate change is a part of public health now, um, and and we've set the precedent that this is what you do when there's public health concerns. Then, what <laughs> are they going to say that you can't drive because you know your car gives out too many emissions or something like that? Are they going to? I don't know. I, I think that they have to crack down, just considering their um, popularity right now. It's they're going to they're going to wag the dog, in my belief. I, I think that that's what's going to happen. So uh, I don't think COVID-19 or COVID is over with. I think the variants that they keep coming up with, the variants are actually a way to extend uh, federal authority or government authority over the people for a longer period of time than was necessary. Clearly, we didn't need to do any of the things we did. Uh, so I, I think that that is actually going to get worse. Now, um, I heard Whoopi Goldberg. Did you hear what she said about uh, the fact that I think she's triple vaxxed and she, she got, she said, I, I've done everything I was supposed to do. Got the vax, got the booster, got everything that I was supposed to do. And I still got COVID. 
and uh, this Whoopi Goldberg uh, plan now is, uh, in my opinion, shows that people are beginning to wake up a little bit. And if, if she can say something like that, hey, I did everything I was supposed to, and I still got COVID, uh, then a lot of other people are going to question the narrative. And that's why I think there's going to be something new. Now, I don't know if it's going to be a new, because they haven't got uh, the majority of the American people yet uh, fully vaxxed, right? So they want to do that for some reason. And I think it's for various reasons, but uh, they want to do that. And so they're going to have to come up with something else to scare the people into compliance. Now, whether that's Ebola or, you know, some kind of horrible disease, I don't know what that is, but it's, it's going to be something. And that, that I, I actually think it's going to be another pandemic of some kind. That's what I've always tried to ask people is like, what, especially libertarians, what are you going to do when, when there is actually a bigger pandemic that, that might end up killing more people like are, are we get, because a lot of our arguments are reliant rely way too much on the efficacy of the vaccine um right. how deadly the virus actually is we say we don't need to do all of these things because this isn't really killing that many people we don't need to take the vaccine because natural immunity you know but what happens when those things are no longer the arguments we can use are are we going to just capitulate i don't think so so i think we need to start strengthening our arguments and just making them on the basis of aggression and just saying like, no, I, I will not follow them because this is aggression. This it's not because I don't think it'll work. It's because it's aggression and that on its face is not good. It's, it's coercion. Doesn't matter if, if 50% of people who contract a virus uh, die, it doesn't matter. Uh, you still don't accept the federal government telling you what to, injecting your body because where's that in you know so um i saw a deal here yesterday the day before uh, an article about how uh the they're really pushing the chip implants and and then the department of defense i think came up with a, a deal where it's it's an implantable check engine light where if you're having some problems and health problems, it's going to automatically uh, notify somebody. Where does that end? All these ideas are absolutely crazy and would not have been possible without this, this quote unquote pandemic. Yeah. I, I'm actually going to try to find that article because they, the DOD came out with a, um, a chip and it was about a year ago and, and it started to, uh, um, scare some people and they had to come out and they had to fact check it, of course. So I'm going to try to share that article. Um, actually, I'll just read it. So it says DOD picks Intel to make chips in US. Um, oh, no, that's I think that's something else. I think it was 60 minutes, 60 minutes came out with it. Um, but yeah, this, I mean, the, the transhumanism stuff is, is getting very weird, uh, especially mm -hmm. with meta. Um, I know there are some countries that already have, like they're, they're already trying to build their cities on meta. Elon Musk is coming out with, um, brain implants and he plans on coming out with them in 2022. He just announced that a couple months ago. Um, 
But yeah, here it is. Military aiming to end pandemics forever. <laughs> Might surprise you to learn that many of the innovations deployed to counter the coronavirus were once obscure Pentagon-funded projects to defend soldiers from contagious diseases and biological weapons. The life-saving vaccine developed in record time owes a debt to these programs. Um, let's see if there's anything about chips in here. Yep. What if everyone on board had their health monitored with this subdermal implant now in late stage testing? It's some, it's not some dreaded government microchip to track your every move, but a tissue like gel engineered to continuously test your blood. And this is CBS news. <laughs> yeah. So it's not some conspiracy site, although CBS news could be classified as a conspiracy <laughs> site sort of, but yeah, absolutely. How about that? How does that end? You know, how, how far are they going to go? Well, I think they're going to go as far as we let them. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's what I think. Yeah, well, that's the truth. It's what we insist upon. I mean, I, I've been trying to like think of a way to argue this, but it's not just that we should have the authority to do all of these things, like from uh, the individual upwards um, or the city upwards or the state upwards, is that we do. I mean, we really do have the authority. Like we possess mm -hmm. it and we're capable of it. We can insist upon it. The, the reason that these things are done, the reason that these things are able to be done is because we comply. And uh, I, I was listening to, it was the 10th Amendment's, uh, 10th Amendment Center Center's podcast with Michael Bolden. And he read a, an article from Spooner. And I forget the other guy. People should check it out. But they were essentially arguing, if you, if you allow the government to do anything that it is not permitted to do, they're never going to, they're never going to let it go. But it's, it's because you're letting them to do it that like you, in a sense, like have consented to them, like you have allowed them to do it and compliance is violence in that way. And um, I really think like, if, if you look at the, the fact that a lot of these things are enforced from the local level, they rely on local police departments to carry out their, uh, warrants so like a lot of the a lot of the times uh the dea will come to a local police department and say will you help me uh find this person um if, if they just didn't comply they couldn't get it done like i said osha only has two thousand employees around there so we do have the power it's not just that we should it's that we do <laughs> so yeah, I, i'm trying absolutely. to think of that yeah so uh you, you're going to get because um, you're going to get uh, people saying that you're unpatriotic. That's that's kind of a fallback for that. So what's more unpatriotic? Uh, standing up for our rights or trying to take rights away? You know, I, 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 I cannot understand the reasoning there. I don't understand that at all. It seems so clear to me that, that rights are God-given. And the government's supposed to protect them. And following that to its logical conclusion is patriotic. Government is supposed to protect our rights. And when they don't, they're the ones that are being unpatriotic. So, uh, like I said, you're going to get accused of that. But I think the answer is pretty clear. Um, President, excuse me, usurper in chief Biden is, uh, he's the unpatriotic guy the way he's doing this stuff, not protecting our rights. That's his main job. 
Yeah. Um, there's, there's one more thing I wanted to mention, uh, about the January 6th thing. Um, so there's this tweet that I saw. It says, what is maddening is that Democratic groups are seeking to remove as many as 120 Republicans from the ballots in the name of democracy. It is like burning books in the name of literacy. So they're actually trying to um, remove 120 representatives from the ballot because is it their support of January 6th? Yeah, the Hill ran this column. It it was an opinion piece, and um, some Democrats have endorsed this idea. Yeah, yeah, because uh, I believe that that I I read that article, and I believe the person uh, took a look back at the Fourteenth Amendment, and apparently there's a provision in the Fourteenth Amendment uh, that said that uh, you be disqualified. If you participate in the uh, rebellion now, so is that participation that whatever they did uh, to support, you know, whatever the the article saying, you know, I don't think so, obviously. Um, but the way things are, I'm not so sure that that idea wouldn't get some traction in D.C. And you could certainly find a federal judge who uh, would rule that, yeah, that was an insurrection. Yes, uh, they should be disqualified. Which reminds me, we should, uh, did you have on your list to talk about the um, people still in prison from that? No, uh, but I think I had it on my list, but I forgot about it. Do you wanna just bring that up? Cause I don't know anything about this really. I know that there are hundreds of people in jail and some of them are in solitary confinement, but that's the extent to, to what I know, so. It's uh, it, it's horrifying. It's, it's one of the worst things that I have heard of literally in my lifetime. And I want to talk about uh, how bad, how much in danger uh, Congress was, which we all know they weren't. Uh, well, how about those people that they arrested? And as you said, there are hundreds of them. I think last I heard, 70 of them have pleaded guilty. Uh, to whatever charge they had. By the way, the charges were not treason or sedition or anything like that. Uh, it was disrupting a meeting and some other charges. Some of them were misdemeanors, some of them were felonies. But uh, the way I looked at it, from what I saw of the tape of January 6th, uh, the worst that those people could be uh, charged with is trespassing. And uh, you know that uh, there are places in D.C. you're not really supposed to go um, and, and one of those is uh, into the offices of the senators and representatives. You're not really supposed to go there. So that's trespassing. It certainly wouldn't be a felony. You know, sitting in Nancy Pelosi's desk shouldn't be a felony. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, so uh, those people were held in a D.C. jail. And apparently U.S. Marshal Service did a spot check and found that the conditions were not up to the standards of, uh, of uh, merciful incarceration, whatever. So they moved a lot of those people uh, out of that. But apparently they left the January 6 prisoners in there, in that jail. So they were, they were bad for everybody else, but they were, conditions were okay for those people. So just imagine, you go to D.C., and I, uh, Sharon and I talked about going there. 
if we could have got off work. I think we'd have gone to see because we both think, oh, I won't speak for her, but I think that uh, the election was stolen. And so I wouldn't mind walking up to the Capitol and telling those people what I think, right? So just imagine if, if we'd been thrown in jail for a year and without trial. Now, we, the United States does that to foreign terrorists. Can they do that legally to domestic terrorists? Now, I'm not saying they are. I don't think any one of them was a domestic terrorist except for the people who were working for the FBI. Can they do that? Well, the answer is no. And somewhere along the line, I, I thought I heard that there was a, a law called the Speedy Trial Act that requires that under uh, if you're under arrest, federal arrest, you got 100 days uh, before they have to put you on trail or release you. Well, it's been more than 100 days. So... They're being uh, tortured. There's, I don't know if there's any question about that, mistreated. They're uh, um, given 23 hours of solitary confinement. Things that, that uh, international bodies consider to be torture. That's all done to those people. And there they are sitting there. All they wanted to do was to tell the Congress, particularly the Senate, that they thought that the election was stolen, they should do something about it. That's their crime. Which, by the way, is protected by the First Amendment. They're allowed to say that. Now, uh, looking back at it, uh, did you ever see the, the video of the Capitol Police officers waving the people into the Capitol? Did you ever see that? Yeah, I did. I did. Oh, hey, so, I might, I might try to embed that video, too, so people can see it. Police are squabbling with protesters. Oh, there we go. And they just breached the Capitol again. Yeah, that'd be great. I actually think that uh, that everybody needs to see that video because if you're there and you don't, you know, you never been to DC before, maybe you don't know what the protocol is, and you see a Capitol Police officer saying, "Yeah, come on in, come on." You know, most Americans, yeah, I've never been in there. I'm going to go and look. Now, um, I had uh, had the benefit of being in DC a few times. I would have gone in anywhere near the entrances. I would have gone up on the steps. You know, because you can go up on steps. Well, apparently not. You're going to wind up in prison for a year or more if you just go up on the steps of the Capitol and say, we think the election was stolen. Well, this isn't America if that's what's going on. Now, do you know if um, anyone's trying to represent them in court? Like, is anyone yeah. trying? Okay. Do you know the what, what's happening there? If it's climbing up the courts or if really anything has been heard i mean if they if they haven't had a trial i guess is anything happening 
Yeah. Yeah. So there are advocates that um, lawyers that are uh, offering to represent those people. And um, on an individual basis, I don't think it's uh, on a group basis at all. Uh, but they are getting some help, but uh, they're, they're still in prison. Now, uh, what happened to that kid that shot up a school here a few weeks ago? Remember that? I don't remember where it was, uh, but they released the guy. Yeah, he, he uh, uh, carried out a school shooting and they released him. Well, if anybody deserves to be in prison, it's that guy, right? Not these January 6th people. Most of them are just walking around the Capitol. They, they stayed between the, the um, barricades. They didn't walk out of the, the velvet, red velvet um, ropes. They were just walking around taking pictures. Some of them took selfies with the police. Those people, you know, trespassing would be the worst thing. So uh, one of those guys, he pled guilty. Um, this has been a while. And uh, the judge chewed him out and said, you are not a political prisoner. You know, you're a horrible human being because you did these things. Again, trespass. But he made a point of saying, no, you're not a political prisoner. Well, yes, they are. <laughs> There's no question. And there should be no question in anybody's mind that they were there uh, because they were upset that Donald Trump uh, had the election stolen from them. They went there to voice their opinions as they have the right to do. And they were uh, in prison, some of them beaten. Uh, and only because they were Trump supporters, period. That's why. That's a political prisoner. So. Yeah, there's a video of um, there's a video of the guy wearing the horns. He's in um, one of the I, I don't know if it was the Senate chamber. Do you do you remember? I don't remember. I remember seeing him. Yeah, he's in he's in one of them. And there's a video and he's just he walks in and there's a Capitol Police officer. And hey! Fucking hey, man. Glad to see you guys. You guys are fucking patriots. Look at this guy. He's got covered in blood. God bless you. Yes. You good, sir? Do you need medical attention? I'm good. Thank you. All right. I got shot in the face. Where are they? I got shot in the face with some kind of plastic bullet. Any chance I could get you guys yeah. to leave the Senate wing? We will. I've been making sure they ain't disrespecting the place. Okay. Just want to let you guys know this is like the sacredest place. I know. Yeah, I mean it's it's honestly funny to watch. If if Ashley Babbitt didn't die, it, it would have been just a funny thing that we could have all you know laughed about because it it didn't it was nothing, nothing happened. Right. So, well, I, I, I think violence is perpetrated by the uh, uh, by the FBI personally. Uh, either that or they were um, encouraging and. Uh, they can't do that. Uh, that's the other thing that uh, I don't think a lot of people understand that the FBI can't be there and encourage illegal behavior. And then it gets carried out and then they arrest the people. Well, that's uh, gosh, I can't remember the term for that, but that's a conspiracy. I mean, um, or something else. Anyway, whatever term it is, uh, it's against the law, but they did it anyway. Yeah. I think the probably worst violence was carried out by those people. Yeah, if if you uh, 
I mean, and if people doubt that, like it's all you got to do is look at the FBI's history and and how they, you know, they'll just find like a Muslim kid who, you know, hardly even speaks English. And then you start to give him some propaganda and you start to and then they go commit a terrorist attack. And you find out later that an FBI agent was talking to the guy. Yeah, I, I know the term you're talking about, but it, it isn't coming to mind. Um, and then uh, like the FBI. Entrapment. Actually, entrapment yep that's exactly what it is they'll entrap these these muslim people there's many cases like this um and then like if you just look at the history of what the fbi was created for the fbi was created to investigate like antitrust cases and they would essentially infiltrate these companies and investigate them from the inside so of course they're a part of these groups of, of course there's people inside there's infiltrators in all of these groups if you look at the 60s with like the Black Panthers and whatever group they infiltrated Weather Underground. They, mm-hmm. so, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, this is the the nature of the FBI. So it, it the fact that people are questioning it is just silly to me. Hey, Liam, can I take a quick break here? I've, uh, I think my dog has to use the yeah. facility, and then uh, I'll be back in just a second. So, are you gonna? Would you stop recording for yeah. a second? Anyway? All right, we're back. And I want to just finish and kind of start to wrap up with um, this quote from it was Dave Smith's podcast. The The podcast is called Regimes Do Fall. And he said something that was that was really great. He's just trying to, like, make a case for radical optimism um, with the events that are going on today. And he said, if the Soviet Union can collapse, the COVID regime can collapse, the warfare state can collapse, the militarization of the police and the corporate state in general, all of this can collapse. I think it's a radical case for optimism. And then he used the example of like, could you imagine telling someone just years before slavery was abolished, um, that it was going to be abolished just in a couple of years, they would have said, no, like this institution has been around for the history of humanity, you know, we're not going to abolish it. Like that's what they would have said. So this is all just a radical case for optimism. And I kind of wanted um, to just reinforce the idea that revolutions, especially the way that Ron Paul, like in, in the movement that Ron Paul had um, tried to communicate was that revolutions can be through ideas too. Um we don't need to have people fighting in the streets. And I think that we can avoid that, but I think, I think that's the trend we're, we're going down. I think that a lot of people can recognize that. And I do think that we can avoid that. Um, if we just continue to spread these ideas specifically oriented towards decentralization, nullification, and if possible secession. But, um, I, I think that we just need to continue to encourage that and, uh, try to do it locally. That That is the answer to this. It's not to, you know, storm the Capitol in DC because they are going to crack down on you. They are going to try to expand their powers. Um, but if you do it in Montana, if you just try to focus on um, your legislature here, your governor, I think that you can do a lot more. Um, so I, I'm trying to encourage that in my own state with the people that I talk to and um, I hope we can work on that together. Yeah, yeah, that'd be fun. I think you're absolutely right. Uh, um, we really want nullification. We want uh, interposition. We want, if it comes to that secession, we don't want anything 
any violence whatsoever. Um, and in fact, uh, I think that would play right in the hands of the national government, to be honest with you, uh, the security state. Uh, and that's maybe with the false flag we're going to see is there's going to be some incident someplace that, uh, see, we got to take control. And, you know, they, uh, they're trying to pass a gun control deal now, uh, get rid of assault rifles. Um, that, you know, the school shootings haven't been able to accomplish that, but, you know, some, something else could. So maybe that's the next one. Uh, anyway, yeah, notification, uh, that's the very first step. Uh, you know, the other thing that I was going to bring up a little earlier, was it, uh, was it Florida? I think DeSantis said that they're going to reinstitute the, uh, militia in Florida. Have you heard that? Yeah. Um, I forget exactly what it's called, but everyone was freaking out over it. And I believe California already has it. Some other state already has it. And they were saying that the uh, Santos is trying to um, increase tensions or something like that by doing this. Well, uh, interestingly enough, I think it may have been in response to the uh, announcement that the uh, Secret Service was going to put uh, offices in Florida. The Secret Service and, and California. But maybe that was related, maybe not. But I do think uh, meeting uh, force with force is probably a good idea um, rather than just roll over. <clears throat> so I think Governor Gianforte should be pushed uh, to follow a similar, similar path uh, so that the people of Montana can be encouraged that their governor uh, isn't going to roll over for anything like that. And so having a uh, force like that, even just a small number of people, is a deterrent, I think, against the federal government because the federal government doesn't want uh, a big bloodbath. They don't because I think they know that could set things off. And that's why I think they backed off uh, with that uh, Bundy deal down there in Nevada. Uh, that They didn't want that to happen. And I think... Uh, there was people ready to to make it happen. So uh, I'd like to see Governor Gianforte be pushed into that, uh, setting up that militia. I think it's a great idea, even though militias have gotten a terrible um, and maybe deserve reputation in some ways. But uh, the fam framers provided for it and they anticipated uh, militias. By the way, they anticipated militias as being a... Uh, way for the states to uh, fight off the national government uh, authority. So anyway, sorry, that was a tangent. Well, I think it's good. I mean, I, I, I think that the, the Bundy case is a perfect example of what I'm talking about, where no violence was used. Um, it, it really was people just showed up. And I think, I think that that's exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, if, if we can decentralize and increase the powers of the state too. I think that um, you are meeting force with force, but you're not exercising it. You're not getting to that point. You're just building up and you're saying that we have the power and we're taking it back. And that's kind of what um, I, I see. I actually do see us going down that path. It's people are recognizing state authority more than ever and people are moving with their feet. Um, so I, I do have optimism. I, I really do, especially living in Montana. I think a lot of people, um, they, they get 
they may, maybe have blind spots because they live in a state like Michigan or New York, but uh, really like Montana, Wyoming, Texas, Florida, all of these examples are, they just, they just show you how a state can push back. And it goes back to what I was saying earlier. It's, it's not just that we ought to have this authority um, at the local level with our communities. It's that we, we do. So, but yeah, I mean, if there's anything else you want to say, I, this has been really fun. I could, I could keep having, you know, kept, I could keep having those conversations and I think we're definitely going to try to do more throughout the year. Um, Cause it's been too long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I was wondering how bad I did it on the last one that you didn't invite me back. <laughs> no, I, it's just, I, especially with school and everything, it's been, it's been tough to actually put one out every week and um i've taken i don't know how long it's been since the last one i put out but it's it's been quite a while um so it's i'm, I'm gonna try to do it weekly this semester and then continue that but who knows if i don't have a guest i'll invite you back on because <laughs> i'm retired i could go anytime you yeah. want <laughs> well i appreciate you letting uh, having me on liam uh there's so much other stuff we could talk about so anything pops and uh, just let me know and we'll, we'll do this again. Awesome. Thank you. Yep. It's the weekend and we can let go. It's the full send and it's the get go. It's the get go. Got a full bread box and some honey